0: Yeah, it's amazing. So um, last week was a church when I preached a few weeks ago. There were three things that I wanted us to focus on for the next few months. And that is the thing of mission, meeting, and momentum. And last week I spoke about uh, how we share stories. and That was part of the mission, right? This thing of we're storytellers and we're telling stories about what God has done for us. But tonight I want to talk into this thing of momentum, because I, I want this word to move us forward, to move us with momentum individually and corporately. So if we are all moving forward individually, then as corporately as a church, we will move forward, which is amazing. So I want to preach from a passage of scripture in Acts, Acts 26, verse 12 to 23. So I'm going to read it. You're all going to note, and I'm going to work through it a little bit. There's a few points I want to pull out of it. Acts 26, 12 to 23. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, he's, uh, and when, he had, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice say to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me uh, and to those in which I will appear to you. Let me read that again. That was terrible. But rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in, in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that you may turn from so they may turn from darkness to light And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness for sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And he says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, and I'll tell you why he says that now, but declared first to those in Damascus. And he goes on, Paul goes on to talk about what he's done since he's had this vision and this commission from Jesus. And the context of this is Paul is standing before King Agrippa. He was before Festus before, and Festus says, I don't know, what, I don't know why you're here. What is the charge? I, I don't understand. And these Jews are very angry at you, and you've, you're appealing to Caesar, but let me call Agrippa in. And maybe he can figure out why you're here. And this is why Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa, and he's giving this testimony of what has happened to him on the road to Damascus. That's an incredible story, and I'm sorry, I butchered the reading of it. I really do apologize. I did a seven-hour hike this morning, which is why I'm a little bit tired, so please forgive me. Um, I won't do that again, (laughs) like ever, in my whole life. (laughs) I I feel like I've lived two days today, like it was insane. I was literally on the mountain at 6.30 in the rain and the wind, and I was like, what the heck am I doing here? Anyway. I apologize for that reading. Yeah, you can pray for me, for healing, for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, for my mind. Yeah, yeah, I'm emotionally scarred from that. But um, this is an incredible passage because we see three things, and this is what happens, and I want to pull out three things. Firstly, there's a vision. Paul has a vision of Jesus, right, and we'll get into that now. And then there's a the commission. Part of this vision is Jesus giving Paul a commission, and in the end part of that is the application. Now, I'll get into why I think the application is the thing that we struggle with the most. Because we love the vision, and sometimes we love the commission, but the application is when the rubber hits the road. <laughs> we love the spiritual stuff, but the fleshly stuff, you've got to do something. Hiker's <laughs> also very tired. <laughs> So our scripture says, it says, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. So Paul has this incredible vision of Jesus. And when we read those words, we think of things like the transfiguration. where, where They're trying to describe what Jesus looks like. And they go... It's whiter than anything we've ever seen bleached before in our whole lives. Like, that's all they can say. Like, and in, in Daniel, Daniel says this. His clothing was as white as snow, and, his, and the hair on his head was white like wool. So Paul is confronted by Jesus, this brilliant light, this vision of Christ. And he falls to the ground along with everyone else around him. They fall to the ground. But Paul hears what Jesus is saying to him. And so Paul, this man who's persecuted Christians, I was talking to someone this week going, Paul, actually, I think Scripture says he had murderous intent. He wanted to kill people. He was so zealous for for the things that he thought were true, that he was willing to kill people. And yet he's confronted with Jesus, and in a split second he is changed. And for all of us, there comes a point in our lives when we are confronted with Jesus. Now, if you're a believer, you, at some point in your life, are confronted with Christ. And at that point, you need to make a decision. Well, maybe for some of you, you've had this, this otherworldly experience. Who's had a divine experience of, this is, I can't understand what's going on here, but Jesus is, is here, and I need to make a decision. Or for other people, that maybe it's a little bit slower, and it, you know, it's like a picture that you, <laughs> when I go to the optometrist, I always feel like I'm failing the test. Cause they put they go, like, A or B? I'm like, brew, I don't know. Like, which one is it? Tell me. Like, B or C? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get the wrong glasses. Like, I'm <laughs> freaking out. Like, <laughs> but it's that. It's like, it, 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 maybe for some of us, we hear the gospel over time. And it slowly becomes clearer and clearer. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then eventually you get the glasses. And, and they're on. And you're like, I see Jesus. I see. I have a vision of him. Okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to follow after him. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, died on the cross for me. (laughs) And it's an incredible thing to have this this encounter with Jesus, with the living God. And then we go, okay, Jesus, I'm overwhelmed by the cross and your grace. Oh God, that you would forgive me, a sinner. And then we go, well, I've given my life to Christ. Now I can just keep living the life that I was. Thanks, Jesus. I made the commitment. Okay, well, cool. Now life's just going to carry on as normal. But it doesn't. Because it didn't for Paul. Paul. Jesus doesn't appear to Paul and go, Paul, now you're, you believe in me. Awesome. Carry on on your road to Damascus. Now, at that minute, he gives him a commission. He says, Paul, I've appeared to you for this purpose. This is your purpose, Paul. He says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Paul's purpose and commission is being sent to the Gentiles. A Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, has an encounter with Jesus. He doesn't say, I'm sending you to the Hebrews because you know them so well. He's going, no, I'm sending you to the Gentiles who you, you won't even actually eat with at that point. For a Pharisee to eat with a Gentile. To open their eyes so they may turn from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness for sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And Paul goes on to tell more of this in Galatians 1, 15 and 16. He says, but. When he who had set me apart from before I was born, which Keith prayed for these amazing young people, and I love the fact that the young guys are in the front row. Please always sit here. Really, it's amazing. <laughs> the front row is not reserved for anyone special. Okay, please, anyone who wants to sit here. Andre is sitting in the front row. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> I'm not going to, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to tell about 412 yet. I'm saving that one for another day. (laughs) Can I tell? Okay. (laughs) Andre is in the front row because his eyesight's bad. But he also qualified as a pensioner for the 412 conference. Right. (laughs) So we have another pensioner in the congregation, which is amazing. (laughs) We love you, Brie. And he says, but when he had set me apart from before I was born... And who called me to, by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. And Paul's talking about then going to Jerusalem and meeting with the disciples. And Paul takes this commission seriously. Seriously enough where he, he, he wants to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. We see Paul journeying to Spain. Not the worst place to go for the gospel. <laughs> and so, we see that that's Paul's commission. But, in a sense, it's also our commission. Because, as Paul's commission was specific to him, we're part of the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? Well, you know, I think it might sound something, I mean, we all know Matthew 28 is the Great Commission, but it says... He was sent to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. God into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Paul's commission. We are part of the great commission. But I also believe that each one of us has been Commissioned for a unique purpose by God. Now, uh, don't make me quote Jeremiah 29. <laughs> for I know the plans. <laughs> <laughs> plans to prosper you. <laughs> okay, we can all We can. All <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit silly. I'm very tired. Maybe I'm just delirious. <laughs> But I'm feeling it why not right so we we Paul has a commission and we have a commission and I, I was thinking about this I'm like God what is my commission and I remember a while ago years ago just I was praying to God going, what are you calling me to and I remember this word coming to mind herald and I was like what does that word mean I know the word herald I know the word like I know there's a newspaper in, East, in PE called the herald I was like cool the herald okay and actually, I, actually look, I went to go look in the dictionary. I kind of knew, like, in the old days, like people, they would herald good news. And the herald, the herald means this. The minister of the gospel is a herald sent by God and under his authority to proclaim precisely what God, his master, has commissioned him to speak. Heralds deliver their message as it is given to them. So I feel confident in what God has commissioned me to do at this very moment. The question is, what do you feel, what do you think, or what do you know God has commissioned you to do? Because it's not just we get saved and then that's it. He calls us to a purpose, He goes, this is what I've got for you. Walk in it. Perhaps you've been called to the nations, or perhaps you walk in a specific gifting, or... He's calling you to love your neighbor or to be an elder or to be a deacon, to help widows and orphans, to be a mother, spiritually and physically. I think being a mom is one of the greatest callings. <laughs> These are all amazing commissions. They really are. They're incredible. And in a sense, we, we always look and we go, this is the big commission. And that's good, because God does call us to big commissions. And there's two words, macro and micro. Who knows what those mean? Big and small. So in a sense, we have a big commission from God. All of us, I believe we do. Awesome, walk in it. But then I think there's also the micro. And sometimes we forget about the micro things that God is saying to us Daily. What has God called you to today? Or this year? Or this week? Yes, there's the the macro. Great. Wonderful. I'm not... Please, walk in there. Ask God what it is that he's calling you to. But don't neglect the small things. There's that saying, you can be so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. Maybe he's calling you to stop in a particular sin. Maybe he's asking you to obey his commandments. Maybe he's asking you to love your wife. Now we've spoken about the vision. We've all had this vision of Christ at some point where we've, we've reckoned with who he is and, and we've seen him for who he is not knowing about God but knowing God and then we go we see with Paul Paul Jesus immediately gives him this commission go to the Gentiles. And at that point I think Paul and I don't think it would have happened but in some sense Paul could have gone I don't know if I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Because he says in scripture I was not disobedient to what God had called me to. And this gets to my final point. And I'm, I think I'm doing quite well for time. This is, i got eight minutes left. Woo. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong. 25 minutes, okay. Anyone, 35? 35, 45. 45? 45, 45. <laughs> but there's this application, and that's the hard part. Vision, yes. Woo, I'm so spiritual. Commission, yes. Even more spiritual. Application, ah. It doesn't feel spiritual. It feels like I've got to walk it out in the (laughs) flesh. Application. He says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And as a pastor, I get to meet lots of people. And I talk to lots of people. And people are always coming to me and telling me the revelations that God has given them. Or or what what they feel he's commissioned them in. And what he wants them to walk in. and, And I love hearing it. I love it. I'm like, yes, that's amazing. Woo, rock on. I go for it. And then once I've had those meetings that I've encouraged them and then go, yes, go for it, then i wait. And I just wait. Because after the vision and commission comes the application. I want to see how they apply I want to see how they work it out. I want to help them to work it out. But I can't work out their commission for them. Lost okay. Paul gets to work. Of his commission. He says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Paul gets to work. And in those times it meant walking and catching boats. And Paul goes on missionary trips and he He's shipwrecked and everything happens, but he's applying this commission that God has given to him. I remember when we, we first started a comm group. We, no, we had a comm group in Mowbray. And it was cool. And then this, this guy came to come one night. And I, was quite a, I, wasn't, I, mean, I wasn't a very good leader at that point. I, I'd admit that. But he came in and his name was Pete. And he was a wild man. Like, no one in his congregation is as wild as Pete. I know you all think you're wild. But he he came, and Pete had more stories, and the stories had stories. Like, it was just like, and I didn't know what to do with this guy. He came into our congregation. going, I watched this movie called Shotgun Preacher. Has anyone seen that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. But I think it's about a guy, he gets a shotgun, and then he goes to preach the gospel. And I... I I'm I'm pretty paraphrasing horribly but he goes into like a war torn country and he's an evangelist and missionary Pete's like I want to do that because I come from the military and the police and I know guns and I'm going to do that I'm like that is amazing you've had a commission and a vision you have a feeling from God how are you going to work it out here's my suggestion why don't you just come join the church and learn about the gospel because you've literally just got saved I don't want to dampen your zeal and enthusiasm but just come along Come to church. Apply this thing. Learn what you're going to go into a war-torn country with a gun. That's awesome, but at least know what you're going to (laughs) say. There's more to the gospel than just John 3.16. Yes, there is that, but come on. And Peter couldn't do it. He couldn't apply it. And he left. He's like, I can't do this. Yeah. You see, sometimes obedience is action. Maybe the response to what God is calling you is action. Is okay, God, I feel like I'm in the right place now to move and to do this thing. Right now, I'm going to get going. And that's a good response. If you, if you do feel like you're in the right place and God is calling you something and it's all right and you've spoken to your elders and sought... Um, counsel on and go, yes, okay, this is good. Do it. Go for it. Wonderful. The other side of that is that you, you feel this thing and you're going to take action on your own strength and go, I'm going to make this thing happen. And every time I've seen someone try to make something happen, it fails. Because it's not God's timing. It's like, I'm going to make God do this. In fact, you're going to make God do nothing. Just in case you didn't know that. It's admirable, but it will fail. It will frustrate the plans of God. You will frustrate the very plans that God has for you. Because you've got this thing in your flesh, that I'm going to make it happen. Sometimes obedience is action, and sometimes obedience is waiting. That can be harder sometimes than action. Waiting. I came across this concept when I was doing research for my preach called active waiting. Anyone heard of active waiting? Margaret has. Margaret active waiting is more positive. <laughs> it chooses to believe there's a purpose in the delay. <laughs> and the person waiting seeks to develop good habits that are focused on preparing for the next thing. Are we patient in our waiting? There's a term called train for the terrain. (laughs) Google told me that was a term. (laughs) But there's a sense of you waiting, so you train. And you train, and you train, until God says, now is the time. But wait, wait. His timing is so much better than our timing, really. And Don't get discouraged or disheartened. That can happen as well with waiting. we are like, God, it's never going to happen. It's been 10 years, and I've been faithful. Maybe you need to wait another 10. <laughs> <laughs> That was just for Peter, apparently. (laughs) Sometimes obedience is action, sometimes obedience is waiting, and sometimes obedience is missing. People can just choose to ignore the commission and purposes that God has put on their lives. Or perhaps over time they've lost sight or have gotten distracted. Watch and pray. This is Jesus talking to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. You will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. The disciples kept falling asleep. And I think, oh, <coughs> I won't say that. Sometimes obedience is missing. And when I think of that, I think of Esau, who gave up his inheritance and his birthright for a bowl of broth. Gives it away for momentary pleasure. And I had a conversation with someone this week on this very thing. Okay, i done. I had a conversation with someone this very week going, I feel like you are frustrating and walking away from the plan that God has for you. And I said these words, I fear for you. Now, if you know me, you know me as a pastor. I love people. I love people. And for me to message someone going, bro, I am scared for you right now because I don't know what you're doing. You are throwing away your inheritance. And I said this, you are trifling with the grace of God. (laughs) Friends, don't trifle with the grace of God. Thinking that for momentary pleasure after pleasure after pleasure, you can get away with it. He is holy. Vision, commission, application. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to say that either. <laughs> I'm done. Can we be a church who has a vision of Christ, take seriously our commission, and have the desire to see it through? Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. It's my favorite scripture. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on there is laid for up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who crave, His appearing. How that we would be a church that run our race well. That are so captivated by the vision of Christ and so sold out for the vision and what He's given us to do in His body that then we, the application always becomes easy. It's like the price has been paid. I'm just. I'm just going to do it. My life is his. Everything is his. Let me end with this quote by none other than Nelson Mandela. Yeah, not Spurgeon. I know. You're all expecting Spurgeon. But now I'm throwing a curveball because <laughs> I've been hiking for seven hours. Uh, and it's a good quote. I think it was by him. It says, vision without action is just a dream.